Good evening, all. We'll uh, let a few folks kind of come on in, but thanks as always for joining. Roland, what a pleasure to have you up here. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too, man. How are you? Hey, everything's chill today. Just um, yeah. enjoying the markets, just, uh, you know, watching and waiting. <laughs> I think that's the most prudent thing to do, Roland. Um, very well said. <laughs> Well, I'm very fortunate that my Fridays have paid off two weeks in a row. And so I'm kind of uh, en enjoying that I actually might have actually caught on to something new in my process. So I'm, I'm being very mindful. Well, that's good. What, um, why don't you elaborate? Why don't you kick us off? Um, I don't know what happened other than I'm seeing more of the market. I'm seeing more of what's happening. Okay. And that inspired me to just upgrade to Macro Pro, just from Hedge Eye Live, from yeah. being able to to do more, do better, and just watching the the risks and rewards and the eyeball premiums, and just keeping track of it. Nice, nice. That's good. Yeah, that's still uh, organizing. Yeah, no, that's what it's all. That's what it's all about, though, right? I mean. Especially the notebook. Yeah. Especially <laughs> organizing that notebook. <laughs> it is helpful. It is helpful. If you, when you know where to go, right. When you know where to go for the, when you see something on the screen and you, you know, you wrote it down or you know, you wrote, you know, whether it's today, yesterday, last week, the week before, and you can go reference it. It, um, you know, I'm a big fan of having stuff on the screen and in Excel and all that kind of stuff, but there's also some, something to be said for that tangible, you know, note in the notebook. Um, and, and yeah, man, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that it's going well. And, and that's, uh, it's really good to hear. It's, it's great to, to hear that, you know, you're being able to see the, see the, the board or the field or the ice, whatever, however, you, whatever terminology you want to use. It's, uh, it's great to hear that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, good. Well, uh, trend welcome buddy. How you doing, man? Doing well? Yep, doing well. Good, good. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll kick things off here and you know, welcome everybody for to another week of the um, the notebook review. Always a pleasure to be your host and uh, we got a, got a lot to dive into. Got a lot a lot of a lot of notes here I was able to kind of put together to to review. So, um, I think it's a very important time right now in in um, just in the in the marketplace in general. There's a decent amount of noise, right, in terms of uh, folks calling for further, again, just further downside, upside, you know, what does that mean, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, I'd, and what I'd, I'd really say to that is sort of just block out whatever makes you more confused and just focus on what Roland's, you know, just echoed, which is focus on kind of what fits your game, right, fits your investing style, fits your your focus, your goals, whether it's, you know, well, you know, it's always great and cool to like, you know, talk about the, the quick trade you made. But really, at the end of the day, what we're here to do is to, to preserve, protect and compound our capital. Um, and whether that means being 80 percent cash, 100 percent cash, 5 percent cash, that's up to you in terms of, you know, what you want to accomplish and, and what you feel comfortable with and what you're seeing on the page and on the board. So um, that's kind of what I'll start with is just, you know, be you know, take a hard look as to like what makes you tick, right? Right? Like if it gives you anxiety to try to be watching the screen and catching every move or picking the bottom on TLT or or oil or um, you know the list goes on and on, right? Cues, whatever it might be, uh, then just take a breath, right? Go for a walk, 
you know, reassess, right? There's always time to kind of come back to the screen, come back to the page, come back to the notebook. Uh, you know, the, 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 what's on the horizon is very likely a, a Q2 earnings disaster, right? Once, once folks are actually coming out and, and, and reporting that, there could be something in between now and then. That's kind of basically about a month away where, you know, there could be a lot of noise here, right? So just, you know, take that with like for what it's worth. And um, with that, I'll pass it off to our usual guy who leads us off, the one, the only, the Trend Wizzo. Hopefully that wasn't too preachy, Trend, but I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't preachy, definitely. Good, uh, good. You know, worth uh, just a good revision. Just uh, a reminder, uh, right? I mean, this is what we're here yeah. for, right? This is like we're, we're yeah, here yeah. to not look at what happened, right? Not look about, not look on the oil move that, you know, you either – missed or got into or whatever but look about what is going to transpire right we're trying to position ourselves for not only friday but you know next friday and the three month fridays from now and the end of the year you know what i mean so like that's kind of that's yeah. that's the goal of this right that's the goal of this session it's not about mm -hmm. revisionist history it's about you know how do we prepare for the next play how do we prepare for the not even the next play it's really the next game right how do we prepare for the patriots in three weeks or you know the kansas city chiefs in a month or you know uh, the Miami Dolphins might be an easier play, you know, an easier game next weekend. But uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's all those things in between. Or maybe the Jets. You know, hopefully we don't have many Jets fans. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Trent, I'll pass it off to you, my man, and um, and and, sure. and get, get 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 us going. So thank you very much, as always. Yeah, yeah. Um, so last week uh, was uh, interesting between last uh, Wednesday and uh, this Wednesday. We obviously saw. Uh, extreme volatility um, across the board. Uh, there was literally no sector left behind. <laughs> um, energy took a sharp beating on the one-week uh, momentum. Uh, it has actually turned negative, but crude oil has not yet uh, breached the 96 level. Um, so we'll have to see how long this uh, <clears throat> uh, downward draft continues. I think in the after hours today, it was at a 104 um, a lot of late longs are being forced to liquidate in that. A uh, couple of sectors of note uh, which were positive were healthcare uh, still holding the uh, baton to a certain degree, but it, it's been negative on the three-month and one-month momentum. And uh, that along with real estate and staples were trying to show some sort of resilience, which are the classic defensive uh, sectors, not the real estate, but staples and healthcare definitely are the classic defensive sectors. Um, and amongst the international ones, um, you know, I was uh, short on the Austria one. Um, it continued to provide downward, uh, uh, downward draft, EWO. And then uh, same with a few other names such as France and uh, Germany, they continue to provide a similar wave. What has been interesting, I think last time we discussed about uh, Bank of Japan, their action. Gavin had asked me about yen. Yen continued to decline um, and in a profitable way for us, right? So that's where um, sometimes when folks discuss narratives on Forex with me, I'm always like, uh, no, Forex is the best market along with commodities to just uh, follow the signal. Uh, if you follow the signal on Forex and commodities those two are going to you don't have to read any headlines for that matter right after the fact you can always uh, 
justify that hey you know kuroda is doing this and uh, bank of japan is doing that or they have exceeded the balance sheet as a percentage of gdp as compared to swiss Na- swiss national bank doesn't matter right um at this point of time the yen momentum continues until maybe at some point of time it wouldn't but until then i want to be in that trade right as a trend following person uh and uh similarly on the rates front i actually did not do much activity so and i know gavin usually has a good take on rates uh i let him uh focus on that uh, australia i've been short australia since last week as well australia and new zealand new zealand short stone workout um in decent quantity or size for me uh, usually and i haven't found a easy way for doing new zealand shorts uh, through options because those are extremely illiquid uh there's another one which i'm watching uh to continue pressing short on is india inda uh i'm waiting for a pop up in order to go short on it but the signal is giving pretty strong signal on the downside so having said that uh from a pure cross asset perspective uh i think in the bonds market we're going to see some degree of uh, relief to a certain degree but we have a very uh busy fomc members speaking session so that induces some degree of volatility at times uh and especially post opics uh, and going into the uh going into the month end and quarter end and everything uh we might see some so- sort of a sideways chop uh so i'm not super negative in terms of my negative exposure uh i was able to degross myself i still uh so these are things that have been working so far now what's not working right i shared last time my merger arb uh portion was not working uh fortunately there was a little bit of bounce in citrix systems when they did the eu filing showing uh or indicating or hinting to the market that hey the deal's not off you're going to continue to have the deal go through um same with bunch of other merger oppositions which started where the merger up spread started narrowing uh, i think what would be interesting is when actually one of these deals close closes that's when you'll start seeing all the other ones uh trying to you know they'll start narrowing further but until then until the next one closes amongst the ones that are open and there are a bunch of them open uh especially on the cash acquisition ones uh it's going to be an interesting play so far so having said that uh, i'll give it back to you rob yeah <clears throat> good points and um a little backwards looking there trend but that's okay i'll allow uh <laughs> but uh but on that fx uh, component i think it is important to just make a note in terms of you know, where the top end of the risk ranges are on, on some of those, um, some of those pairs, right? So if you look at, you know, the CAD USD, you know, look at that top end of the risk range and, and kind of look at where we've come. And, and I just would sort of uh, encourage you to, to, to kind of review where, where that is in terms of, um, you know, what, you know, just again, just kind of from a price momentum standpoint, you know, what, what is the, what does the currency need to do, whether it's CAD USD, you know, Euro USD, you know, where do we need to land in terms of uh, to kind of, you know, yeah. for, for them to potentially 
gain some price momentum, right? So your USD, it's you know on on my screen, it's kind of knocking right on that door. Call it 106. You know, a hair under that is is kind of um, that level uh, to regain gain, kind of one month sort of trade momentum. Uh, USD CHF, so that would be the Swiss franc. Um, you know, that's already kind of you know regained some trend now. You know, I know coaches uh, short the uh, the Swissy, and and really, you know, he's anticipating kind of a mean reversion back to. Uh, to the norm, right? So, you know, again, just be con- cognizant, though, you know, just because he hits the button doesn't mean that you have to execute um, in that moment in time, right? So he's he's just con- he's conveying what he's seeing, what he thinks is uh, the highest highest of probability kind of uh, trades and outcomes. But, um, you know, you're, you're still at uh, at your own mercy in terms of making that decision in those times. So, you know, again, just, you know, the, the top in the risk range, for instance, on the euro US dollar is, uh, it was as of this morning, 1.065. So again, you know, you see that and you can see that, you know, it's a, it's a bit, it, it would be above kind of one month kind of, uh, you know, call it trade momentum. And uh, just, again, just things to be cognizant about when you're either putting that, you know, you're, you're a short back on, maybe you're keeping it on a bit of a tighter leash uh, than you would have, you know, last month or two weeks ago, just because of everything that's transpiring. So again, just, you know, the dollar's absolutely been gangbusters, you know, it's plus 9%, you know, year to date. Um, but, uh, but again, just kind of keep, be cognizant of where that is. And with that being said, I'll, I'll kind of, uh, relay that over to one of the things I wanted to talk about today, which was, um, you know, something along the lines of, um, you know, two weeks ago is June 8th, right? So that, you know, that was 10 days ago, uh, you, that's basically when, you know, the day after that, uh, on the ninth is kind of when we started to see a lot of assets, you know, prices, you know, fall off. Right. So, um, just keep in mind kind of what that quote, unquote, reset looks like from a price momentum standpoint, you know, those lower levels can get kind of reset, right? So just with a, with time, that 10-day momentum, you know, it shifts. It basically shifts down, which means that recapturing that 10-day momentum, again, you know, we don't love moving averages, but I'm just going to use it from a kind of a more general standpoint where a lot of folks understand moving averages, you know, that component can be recaptured much more easily at a lower price point. So just kind of keep that in mind, you know, with all that said, there's massive lower highs across the board. If you look at the SPX, the NASDAQ, the Russell, you know, from the risk ranges, the trade ranges from June 8th versus June 22nd, you're going to see huge lower lows, right? So, sorry, um, uh, big lower highs right. so, and lower lows really. Well, likely I didn't look I didn't write down the lower lows, but likely lower lows too, um, but definitely lower highs. You know, the SPX, for instance, you know, the, you know, it was 42.28 uh, two weeks ago. It's now 38.43. You know, the, the Russell's 19.41 versus 17.43 and the Nasdaq's 12.496 versus 11.601 today. So again, you know, could we see, you know, mean reversions or possible moves the, uh, to the upside? Absolutely. It's, it's probable. It's part of the math. Um, and you kind of saw that in that IWM risk range, the refresh one from the RTA yesterday from, from Keith, you know, that was a trade basis. So that top end of that risk range, go compare that versus what the risk range was on a trend basis uh, within ETF Pro, right? And so I'll just encourage everyone to go look at that, go look at the top end of those risk ranges on a trend basis and look at like where we came from, whether it was June 8th or one month ago, three months ago, and just kind of take it, take an assessment, right? Because that's really you know, it's math. So it's probably, it's possible that we go to the top end of the risk range. And now is it probable or is there, the, is it the highest of probabilities? That's, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's what we're all here to try to figure out. Right. But right. Uh, some, some shorts definitely look stronger than others. 
you know, XLF, for instance, looks stronger than XLY. Um, and, uh, and so, yes, just wanted to kind of point that out and just make that, that was, that was one big assessment that Rob, I saw today. Yeah. Just to clarify. So you were saying that the XLF short has higher probability of working as compared to XLY, but is that compared to the usual standard deviation move of one standard deviation move of XLF or is that compared to the absolute move of XLY? That's, that's more, I'd say more from a signal standpoint, right? Like if you're looking at, if I'm, yeah, if I'm but looking relative at, to if, itself, if relative to, to it, its okay. relative to itself, XLF, um, not in its spot right now, but sorry, relative to each other, XLF in regards to the signal to me um, looks is weaker than XLY, right? So XLY has, you know, basically the top end of the risk range is certainly on that um, from an ETF pro. If you go look at that, that'd be a, a new, I'm almost positive it's a new one month. It would be a one month high. One second, let me just double check that. Um, yeah, it'd be very close to a one month high. Um, and it'll, as of tomorrow, it'll, you know, two days from now, it'll be a, a 10 day. Well, it's already a 10 day, but it'd be a 10 day and a 15 day high would be the top end of that risk range. So you're just right flirting on that, right? So with a little bit of time, if that top end of the risk range remains the same, then, you know, that signal doesn't look as good today as it did, you know, two to three weeks ago to a month ago when we were trading at, you know, 168, 170, 165, what have you, right? So if you're looking for but, shorts. But XLY, XLY looks much weaker in momentum terms too as compared to XLF. That's why I'm not understanding Are you saying XLF is weaker compared to its own prior momentum. But, or But, XL, but XL. XLY, I mean, come tomorrow, that that recent 10-day high is going to come down, right? So it's going to move down to, you know, just north of about 150 or so, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's all of a sudden with time, you know, it's been trading in a band over the last few days where mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, it's not going to take much of a move higher for it to capture basically, you know, more momentum on a, on a shorter term versus something like, and if it catches momentum, is moving much, much higher. And XLF is similar. I mean, they're all similar trend, honestly. Like they're all they all look very, very similar because of the huge drop off that happened on June eighth. It's almost right. like these prices have to get reset here. And until they get reset, it's likely we're going to kind of trade it in a sideways band, as you just echoed. Yeah, sideways. Yeah, I, I, I personally wouldn't see myself shorting XLF here. Um, I, I agreed. Mean, I would. I would definitely short ten years. So you know. You want a forward-looking uh, part here, XLF, a TLT and TY, uh, meaning I usually use the futures. I don't use TLT. Uh, I don't like TLT as an instrument to short. Uh, so I use T, uh, the 10-year U.S. Treasury notes, and they're trading right now at 113. I'd be shorting them between 115 to 116. I've been shorting them pretty successfully since last since January, I would say. I, I've always held the stance that 10-year note is going to have a disastrous time going through what we're going through. I've never taken a long TLT stance ever. Uh, I'll continue to short it. But at this moment, given that being the case for the 10-year note, that does have a little bit of correlation with how XLF behaves in relation to that. But granted that the momentum on XLF is heading down, as you said, uh, I would personally not short XLF here. I would definitely short 10-year at a further $1, $2 bonds from here with a $1 stop loss. So I would be shorting at 115 
Um, these are TLT corresponding terms. I'd be shorting at 115 with a 116.43 stop loss on TLT. And I'm not saying to short XLF here. I wouldn't be, I, you know, there's a reason why, you know, coach hasn't hit the button on any kind of general sector or, or indices. The setup's not there yet, right? So yeah, you know, what, yeah. all, all I'm saying is that the top end of the risk range on XLI would make is much closer to, you know, being a one month high versus XLF at, you know, call it a hair under 34. That's not even close to a one month high. Yeah, as a, you know, exactly. right, right. So that's, that's all I'm saying from a signal standpoint is just, you know, if you're looking for a short, you know, just be conscientious as to, you know, where the probable, you know, the probable ranges or the possible ranges um, can be and where the top end is versus where it's come from. That's all I wanted to point out. Uh, yeah, yeah. And just yeah. from that, the corollary, remember a few weeks ago, I derived a corollary that um, uh, that insurance stocks would take a beating. We did see that, you know, AIG went down 20% from there. And I know yeah. that I had a similar kind of discussion or debate with someone who was saying, no, they saw that insurance would keep going higher and higher. Um, but we did have a massive 20% correction from um, those levels. Uh, I wasn't short AIG, but I was short uh, Chubb and few others. Um, so from standpoint of uh, insurance, uh, they still look weaker. So when your setup turns right for XLF, uh, I think that setup would also turn to an interesting degree for some of these insurance companies, especially on the PNC side. Yeah, and Gavin, I'm sorry, I was looking at my screen, but it looked like I think you had your hand raised, buddy. So um, no, it's all you. good. What's up, guys? How you I'm doing, not gonna... good, e good evening. Yeah, good evening. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say the, the biggest takeaway this weekend for me was the shift where there was literally, you know, nothing to be long going in this week uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? for, for U.S. equities, you know, and and now it's basically as simple as like China versus the rest of the world. I mean, Absolutely. it's and so I, I guess I would just really throw it out there to people, you know, it's China. Right. And so some people are going to especially if they're newer, they're going to question it and say, like, oh, I'm not going to get long China. You know, I'm not going to try to do that. It's China. And I would just say, given, you know, the experience of tracking all this for, for years, it's like when, when there's a phase transition, it's like as big as the one that's happening in China. It's worth taking a shot to see mm -hmm. if you could do something, especially when you see it diverging from the rest of the G20, like in a really big way. It's like that could be one of the only things going on this year. So I'm, it is China. So I'm not saying like get crazy and like take a huge position, but think about it. Think long and hard about it. What's right for you. Um, you know, I'm about half sized of what I'm going to do. And I'm not even going to say what I'm going to fully do, you know, just <laughs> that's up to you guys. Uh, but like we're in there and I'll let it kind of like prove itself. It's only been a couple weeks and, uh, and we'll fill it out and we'll see what we get. But yeah, that was that was definitely one of the things that jumped out to me this evening, Gavin, was the fact that China remains one of the strongest signals out there on a global on a macro basis, uh, certainly on, on on a trade standpoint, right? So there's still time in the there's still tr time, and the reason why I mentioned trade is because the, there's still time in this phase transition, and it's a very volatile like underlying asset. So again, you know, it's a very good point in terms of you know being conscientious as to you know where that low end of the risk range is. If you're thinking you're missing it, you know, take smaller stabs at the, at the, at, uh, um, you know, at the stake or whatever at the, at the position and, and be conscientious about that. Right. But like these phase transitions, 
do you look good? And then the other thing I wanted to point out today too was on the underlying side, you know, if you kind of peel China back a little bit, um, CHIM, CHIX, which is their financials, and then the real estate, CHIR, all to me look pretty interesting. And, and on that cusp of sort of making the, uh, you know, and even kind of having an even better signal and moving not only from a trade, but also kind of a, a trend perspective. Uh, CHIQ and CHIS are also in there as well from uh, from, a, from a positive kind of uh, signal standpoint and honestly look better than even, you know, most of the larger um, assets yeah, I, I that, that we know, like the K-Webs and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree with CHIQ. It's pretty strong on, you know, some of the models I have uh, uh, for for my own picking as well. And I wanted to add to that Pinduoduo, uh, is having an interesting signal strength as well. Um, and ASHS, so that's the uh, Extract or Harvest CSI 500. So uh, to add to the list which uh, Rob was giving, um, the top three um, in my list for China, I would say forward-looking, right? Pinduoduo, um, ASHS, and CHIQ from Rob's list, uh, they're definitely looking really good on long side with appropriate stop losses, of course. Yeah, and per usual, I'll uh, mention that this is not investment advice. This is educational purposes only. And, um, and yeah, we'll be back. Yeah, okay, we can get back to it now. All right. <laughs> yeah, but no, let's be honest. It's China, right? So as everyone well, mentioned, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of headline risks. So look, we could be ripping into the summer Let's say this goes well and we're up 20%. You know, it's August and then boom, you get smacked by a headline or something. Like, so just keep it in check. Like, it's not like throttle down bullish trend on the S&P 500 where you can do whatever you want. It's China. So, you know, but it's in, in this environment when it's like the weekend work shows there's nothing to be long in the United States in equities. It's like, well, maybe I'll take a shot because I got a lot of cash. And uh, it's something to do. And, you know, it looks like they have a decent roadmap. For me, everything else is pretty much the same. Um, you know, fixed income, waiting to see, short junk. I, I, to me, like all the markets right now look like they need to, to set back up. Yeah. And like big moves just happen. And you see everyone kind of like twiddling their thumbs, like wanting to do something, but they're not getting a price. And they're like, what should I be doing? It's like, well, you should probably be waiting for things to set back up because your monkey brain just saw everything go down 18% in the last three months. And you want to do something because you're really excited about that momentum, but you have to let it set back up. You know, that's kind of where I think we're at. So we'll see. Yeah. And if you just, yeah, again, and kind of let that volatility kind of guide you, right? Like look at the OVX, the GBZ, the move, um, you know, the VIX, the Vixen and, and the, the Russell Vol, RVX, they all, you know, certainly the Vixen and the RVX kind of look very similar right now and, and need to need to reset either to the upside or the downside. That 34 level is kind of what I'm watching on those two. Um, and then obviously VIX kind of sub 30 is uh, is obviously a good thing too. So um, the oil vol was a, not a surprise, but sort of definitely had me um, interested with the move down. It certainly, I think it closed in the held trend, but I think as we've opened back up uh, this evening, uh, it's moved lower on the oil. So um, that's obviously... You know, you know, it looks like it's going to be breaking trend 
uh, the trend line, which obviously is not good. <laughs> and uh, but certainly that oil vol is not sort of spiking and, and making me um, really ponder. But most of the CRB commodity index, as Coach has highlighted over the last uh, couple of weeks, but certainly in the last few days, I mean they're all breaking down, right? So this is the this is the disinflationary kind of piece of the game, and you know chasing commodities here. Um, again, I just to Gavin's point, I, it's just not really other than for a trade. I don't really think it's worth your time or energy um, to be kind of fretting in that space right now. Yeah, what do you guys see in uh, not a big deal, but I th- I mean I do think we could be in an environment for like the next year where like you know just a commodity out of the blue is just running, you know, and it's like yeah. well I don't know supply and demand it's commodities. <laughs> And the the one that's that's been well, jumping out co- the last couple weeks. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, man. Coffee's What's been going gang- on with that? Coffee's been gangbusters. Um I have a ton yeah. of coffee in my kitchen. <laughs> I, I, I drank I, I drank coffee an hour ago to get prep prep for this call, Gavin. So there you go. Maybe I think that's you know, I'm 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 firing all cylinders, baby. Uh but yeah, Joe's there was been famine in Brazil uh that affected about twenty percent of their production that that was a uh, one of the primary drivers it's just fundamentally speaking but obviously uh, you can detect that in the price trend earlier before um, you get to know the actual reasons now i know when i'm making my coffee tomorrow trend <laughs> <laughs> i don't know there's not much uh else i'm going to comment on tonight the only other thing that is interesting is uh and this is the only bearish trend that i bought all year i promise <laughs> but it's eyeball mm. and so um, i saw that tweet out of you this morning yeah you know and i i bought it and I, you know i'll probably end up regretting it because i bought it trying to be smart about something um so we'll see did about my, it did, but did i mean my, when did, did my chat with nancy davis yesterday morning influence you <laughs> no. well that you know it's like hearing her talk about it and just how it needs how the, how the twos tens needs to widen and I'm looking at it like, well, I got a signal on it like, you know, a week or so ago and started a position. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm buying, I think on the day I bought it, like the, the curve, the twos, tens was like pretty flat. It might have been a few bases. I think it was single digits. And I'm just looking at it like, well, it's got a pretty good chance to widen from here, I would think. Mm-hmm. And I know we always we always viewed it as a steepener, and I I do understand it to be true that if the two I think the two year right was to come down aggressively, that would be the best case for her, right? But I think I have that right. But um, that's correct. That's yes. I mean that would be the ideal case, but if it widens, it's also she's got some optionality that would take advantage of it. So anyway, that's I mean fixed income for me is like short junk. Uh, Long some eyeball. We'll see if it can kind of make a turn. And then uh, P fix. I was going to say, did you? Yeah, you got some of that too. Yeah, that, that one's bad. Yeah. It, 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 it signaled a little bit of weakness about two or so weeks ago. And then uh, it absolutely rebounded really nicely. It's, it's done exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've, and I've been thinking uh, it's Brian, right? On here, the Muni guy. I've been yep. thinking about muni bonds a little bit because of what he was saying the other week. And, uh, you know, not really like in the macro portfolio, but just in general, uh, it's uh, a pretty interesting time for that market. So 
that's pretty much it for fixed income for me. Yeah, not neither of the key ones in my humble opinion, like MUB or BAB, really look all that interesting from uh, getting a long standpoint. But you know, you could if, if yeah, if, could shift in a week or so. But uh, need need some help. But uh, Brian did share. He's actually coming on, so why don't we get go to him? And then he did share, which I retweeted, some of his uh, kind of the current positionings on on um, on the rates and stuff like that. So he shared that earlier today, which I retweeted. So um, I can try to pin that. Brian, why don't I pass you the pass you the puck, and then I'll uh, I'll pin that to the nest here. Okay, cool. Um, I'll make it short. I actually sent a message to Robert earlier. I wasn't uh, planning on speaking, but uh, I heard Gavin, so I just jumped off the treadmill. Um, it's not really a whole lot to, to share, um, in the muni space, except for today, we got this rally. So, uh, kind of started in the morning with the early print and, uh, ended up with about a three basis point rally. Uh, I changed the, um, the table that, uh, I've been sharing and kind of starting to take it from notebook session to notebook session. So people can kind of look at it on a weekly basis and, I think better appreciate maybe the, the move. So last week I talked about um, a transaction that I've got coming up that uh, we had headwinds and I was told that they can't give you a scale and, um, you know, uh, just just a, a pretty poor municipal market to sell into. Uh, and then now all of a sudden, right, uh, um, I was actually trying to figure out what was going on today. And I heard, I pulled up something and said, you know, PE used to be PE pal was speaking and he used the R word. And I'm like, ah, that's why we're rallying. So um, we uh, saw a little firmness. Um, there's some bonds selling tomorrow for my personal consumption in Kentucky. Uh, pretty good name. In 20 years, the, uh, the early bid um, that one firm that buys a lot was putting out in 20 years was um, a 4% coupon to yield a 420 and so I offered to get a pre-market order at uh, four and a quarter at par. And I was told that they had no problem selling those bonds and they weren't interested. So um, it, it seems like to me that in the, the high grade muni space, um, we're sort of having a, a pivot back to fear. Um, rates look attractive. My taxable equivalent yield on high quality looks attractive. And then I also put a piece out, uh, I think it might've been over the weekend. Um, I was talking, I was getting a lot of questions about credit ratings and I think people were looking for me to say, you know, a rated or better is great or a triple B is better or just, you know, where, where, where am I at individually um, in terms of uh, credit ratings? And um, I wanted to, to share that, School bonds in particular in a lot of states have an additional enhancement called a, a state intercept program. And Fidelity did a nice write up here in 22, actually, um, of every state that has a state intercept program and its, uh, and its strengths and its weaknesses. But that's a, an additional reason um, why I talk a lot about um, my personal preferences in, in school bonds and utilities, you know, anything that has a toll rolled. It says toll road or turnpike. You know, I'm running. I'm running away from healthcare. I don't buy healthcare. Um, small colleges. I've actually had a small college in my career go bankrupt. So I don't buy small colleges. Um, we had uh, one here in Kentucky that, that I did not work with that also went bankrupt. So we've seen that before, but you know, we haven't seen K through 12 bankrupt. 
Um, we haven't seen utilities really bankrupt. So um, safe, solid with a, uh, a decent return. The other thing that um, uh, I wanted to share that I consider a mistake on my part um, is sort of the transitioning from leveraged funds to individual um, bonds or non-leveraged funds. So I received some questions on what do you think of this fund or that fund? And the first thing I went and looked for is leverage. And you have to understand that what leverage is in a fund is they sell short-term warrants that are on SIFMA. It's a weekly rate. And so it should move up with the Fed. And so as the yield curve flattens, the ability to leverage that fund or leverage that rate diminishes. And you should see some pressure on the NAV. Um, I was a little late in my rotation out of leveraged funds as the Fed started increasing rates. Um, I know trend, I was telling you, they're going to go 75 and you, know, and you were telling, asking me why. And I, yep. said, I said it was because I had listened to his first speech that uh, D. Martino Booth talked about. And it was just, he was just totally different in his de- demeanor, but I didn't yep. put two and two together that Brian need to rotate out of the, the leveraged and in, into individual bonds. So that was a mistake on my part. And then I guess the, the, the last thing I want to say, this is a kind of a, a, a tag on to what Captain said. Um, the macro show, not yesterday, but I'm sorry, uh, not today, but I think it was yesterday's macro show. It was the first time I heard coach kind of talk about being in cash was okay. Um, that, you know, quad four, it really feels like when I'm looking at the macro pro ETFs, they're diminishing or there's fewer and fewer of them. And uh, it just seems like there's nothing to own. I got to Friday, like Gavin said, and, and I'm just looking at everything and saying every single thing on my screen, except, dollars in UGA gasoline uh, is bearish. And um, yep. it feels like we're, we're at this point in time where we're kind of ready, ready for this next turn to happen. And it may be that, you know, things that are supposed to work in quad four. And I was actually looking at it today, sort of the roadmap um, of quad four, about it, best asset classes to own and quad four deflation that Hedge puts out. You know, none of them are are quad four bullish right now. Um, so you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's just time to continue to be patient. And, um, so that's kind of what I'm doing, um, and I'm just looking for spots in, in municipal bonds here and there, and really just kind of um, kind of waiting. So a little bit of a rally this week, a little bit of a um, a little more firmer footing in the muni market. Uh, retail buyers seem to like this four percent higher level. Um, so my tone this week is a little bit more, um, strength, uh, less cracks and, um, you know, deals should be getting done that are a higher grade. So I'll, I'll leave it at that unless there's any questions for me. Thank you. That's, it's awesome to get that update, Brian. Thank you very much. No problem. Yeah. Other side, did you have a question for him? No, no, no. I, I, it was great stuff. I just tagged it on. But, Can you just uh, give me one second then? Uh, yeah, Mike has to come up. Hey, Mike, uh, welcome. Did you have a question for uh Yeah, thanks, Brian? Robert. Hey, Brian. Um, yeah, of course. Buddy. I was listening yeah. to uh, Steph Pomboy the other day uh, on Wealthion, and she uh, was – one of her comments uh, towards the end of the show was she was talking about avoiding munis uh, at this point because uh, her, her logic, is, if I understood it correctly, was – uh, in a severe bear market, big downdraft, 
some of these pensions that are in either these school districts or probably not utilities anymore, but certainly the school districts still have defined benefit plans, at least the ones I, uh, where I'm at do, uh, and they potentially have a serious uh, funding issue uh, that may detract from the quality or 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 drive some type of hit on the muni. Do you have any thoughts on that? And if there's a way to do research when you're looking at an individual muni to figure out whether or not that's a risk uh, or if that's, you know, like with a utility, you could check to see if they even have a defined benefit plan versus a defined contribution plan or something like that. But uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I have uh, two thoughts on that. Um, I actually have a call tomorrow, a ratings call, so pulling up the notes to put anything in it. Um, so my first comment on that is every state is going to be different in terms of defined contributions to these plans. And so part of the bond rating process by mostly Moody's and Standard & Poor's, there will be a, um, a discussion and a hard look at um, what sort of pressures they can um, they can absorb or they may feel in the uh, in the general fund. So it's the first thing I would say is read the um, the rating report that accompanies um, any bond that you purchase, and it should have a paragraph or two paragraphs um, on that potential risk. The second thing that I will that just popped in my mind. I just typed it in real quick and um, uh, pulled it up here on the internet and uh, I'll just read it um, verbatim. It says as many, as many investors recall, Meredith Whitney said in December of 2010 broadcast of 60 minutes, there would be 50 to 100 sizable defaults in the municipal market during the upcoming year. The defaults would total hundreds of billions of dollars. She said, and we all know that she was completely wrong. So um, I think uh, my, my answer to you is it is a risk. Um, and it's one that is reviewed by the rating agencies. And it's a credit by credit. Um, it's a credit by credit uh, analysis. Um, and is Keith still on? Let me see here. Keith's still on. Uh, someone I work for was on here, and he 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 likes to uh, jump into this topic. I think he might have dropped, but um, did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. Thank you very much. That's really helpful. Okay. Awesome. Well, if there aren't any other questions, uh, Brian, always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, jumping up, Bud. Um, you know your insights very valuable. So thank you very much for sharing and taking the time to uh, to do so. Uh, other side, floor is yours, my man. Uh, I jumped on a little bit later, so I missed a few things. But it sounds like the uh, whole waiting and watching is the common theme. Uh, we really haven't done much of anything. I didn't pull off any trades today. Uh, nice to see that I own some of the things you guys like. And the more we, the more I'm listening, uh, and the more I'm, you know, I was I've been writing my my monthly. And I, I was just, this one's kind of stuck in my head. As we're talking about mortgage rates skyrocketing, and Keith has mentioned the only thing the 75 basis point raise does is uh, increase the cost of capital, right? I, 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 I 
just want everybody to think about how that affects all capital markets and all bond markets. So I think there's over, I could be wrong on this number. I, I think I'm pretty damn close, but I think there's nearly a trillion dollars globally that needs to reprice bond wise between now and the end of the year. And all of that money needs to reprice at nearly double the rates that these companies were paying on bonds recently, right? So that's all going to come down to hit margins. And in that hitting margins, that's going to trickle into layoffs as well. So it, as Coach typically says, time and space, time and space, these companies are not refinancing or, or they're hoping to refinance maybe if the Fed comes in and tries to bail people out so rates start to go down again so their refinancing costs aren't as great. But as the end of the year comes and they run out of, they're running out of time, they're going to have to do these refinancing or refunding corporate issues. And that's really going to start to hurt. So the longer we get into this, it kind of goes into Mike T's thought of Q3 a little bit later. You know, it's it's just definitely something to think about because mortgage rates now from, say, 3% to 603, 50% increase in, say, just a $400,000 mortgage if you're not if you're not putting anything down, just simple math, you're literally 49 and change percent um, increase over what you were paying. So these corporations are, are literally going to be paying 50% more on their bond issues. So are governments, right? So, you know, so are, you know, municipalities, hospitals, you name it, federal government as well. But those guys will just tax the shit out of you, right? Uh, corporations that are losing yeah. money, corporations that are losing money because the consumer is weakening they don't have the ability to do that so they need to cut fat and that's layoffs that that swath hasn't come yet so just be mindful of that yeah but i think i mean there's different i mean there's so many different ways again i mean the cost capital is absolutely increasing but you know i don't think they're gonna again it depends on who you are what they're doing et cetera, et cetera, in terms of just being completely cut off and whether or not they're willing to make adjustments in terms of how that how that goes, right? You know, whether it's a callable note or a convert or, you know, just even raising equity again, I'm not saying that's a, a, a good thing to do or that the stocks aren't going to get punished for that. But I mean, there's definitely ways of getting capital, right? I'm not saying uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there in terms of cost of capital absolutely is uh, something to monitor and trends mentioned this over the last couple of months in terms of, you know, looking at some of the underlying components inside of uh, J and K or, HYG and, and and go hunt for some of the weakest, especially, you know, trend, I, if memory serves, I mean, you specifically were talking about some energy names um, and some maybe retail, was it, buddy? I can't remember. Definitely energy, if, if um, this what is, I remember. But, but is, yeah, but this is less company specific as of right now and more so how these things will adversely affect equity prices, layoffs and bond prices as we move forward over the next handful of months uh, again just something conceptually to think about this is this is more of a time and space thing and it is going to adversely affect a lot of these companies from the standpoint of layoffs margin squeezes earnings recess recession etc so 
just yeah uh, but i mean you're already seeing that in the move and stuff right you're seeing that in the move you're looking at like you know again you're even investment grade lqd i mean it's been an absolute disaster it's across the board right i mean the move at one was it move at basically north of one or around 130 i mean that's just it's it's uninvestable right so it's uh move yeah is, i mean t- t- move is treasuries this is this is more i know i'm just saying i understand i'm, I'm talking yeah, correct I'm, I'm using that as a proxy for like you know treasuries and fixed income right but i mean you're seeing it across the board um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think. I just think the more I think about it, the more no one's ready for what's going to come from a credit standpoint. I, I just, I, I think people are ill prepared for what's going to come from a credit standpoint. Just my opinion. Got it. That's fair. In what spaces? Yeah, I mean, I just think. I mean, yeah. Like, I think that's I think the key just, is I, what I, spaces. Well, uh, you could start by anything retail, right? Um, consumers slowing in the retail sector the most. Uh, Howard Penny. I don't know, but what's what's that? I don't know. I mean, I think I think we need to come back maybe next week with a bit more like data and and numbers and and signal. And, you know, what I mean, like I I, I don't want to just kind of just randomly pick sectors or what have you. That's fine. I, I, yeah, you just asked a question, but. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I mean, again, I mean, you got to do your own due diligence, right, Brian? But I mean, start with JNK or HYG. It's a great place to go. It's the reason why it's called junk, right? So go look there and then, you know, uh, you know, dwindle it down to folks that either don't have cash flow or um, have very limited, ca- I don't know, trend. I mean, you, you literally just did this like uh, you keep doing this every week. So why don't why don't you maybe review kind of how you, how you look at it or what you um yeah, I, I can, I think I can. Just, just briefly, specific. right? Like high level trend, high level. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I can uh, share the methodology I use uh, in addition to the JNK piece, uh, which you mentioned by going, undergoing, you know, cracking that holdings open off uh, at ETF. Um, what you'll find in JNK is there's Netflix, there's uh, a few highly levered uh, companies, uh and their spreads have definitely widened. So the other thing that I do um, is I try to find out whose uh, who's, uh, refinancing is coming up, right? And that's where we'll start actually seeing the cracks that are they able to issue debt at uh, a price that is affordable to them. And uh, if you want much more liquid names instead of those which are in uh, junk, meaning the equity of the folks who are in junk, you could definitely... Just stick to the Russell 2000, right? And you can do do a simple rank ordering of the companies where the free cash flow is, uh, or even the operating cash flow, right? The operating cash flow is unable to meet the, uh, unable to do the interest coverage. Uh, There's a specific ratio when your interest coverage ratio um, is unable to meet uh, a certain threshold. Uh, those become your best places to just create a basket of 10 to 20 names and then just short them against uh, a long on IWM so you get a relative. You get Basically, you can extract alpha out of that. Um, so once again, the steps are you take re- your Russell 2000, uh, you take the ratio of all of those um, on the interest coverage ratio side, you take the worst decile, right and you don't have to go through all 200 or don't create a basket of all 200 because there there were 2000 names take the liquid ones right that will narrow it down to maybe 20 names 
And then you short that against your Russell 2000 uh, broader index long. Now, Russell 2000 is going to go down as well, but these stocks will go way worse down. And that becomes like a nice satellite for you to extracting alpha if you want to do a long short. If you want to go outright short on them, you know, be my guest. I sometimes do an outright short too, but uh, I would have to wait for a good setup for an outright short. So, you know, most likely there's a seasonality element to the period between now and 4th of July, uh, which has a very uh, high probability of some sort of a bounce, of course. None of those probabilities were calculated with uh, central bank tightening into uh, a slowdown. So <laughs> uh, even though the high probability exists, uh, we are in a situation where people are reading their statements and people are like panicking and sending the outflows. Now, that's the last part I want to touch upon. Um, this is in addition, this is a separate topic now, that we aren't seeing as many outflows yet. The moment we start seeing those outflows, that's our next leg down, right? Um, and at that time, we might end up getting some interesting generational opportunities where companies are selling uh, at market caps less than the cash they hold. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to extend that. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's you get many here on this call, you know, they can't just be in 80% cash, you know. Um, so, you know, finding those places where you are beating the market on a relative basis, being long, is really important. Um, you know, one of those places, you know, year to date certainly has been in higher dividend, you know, paying quality names. Um, VYM obviously is the Vanguard one. It does have a decent amount of energy in it as a top 10 holding. So, you know, obviously, you know, kind of, I think Chevron and ExxonMobil are both in there. So, you know, kind of, you got to take that one with a bit of a grain of salt because it's been, you know, aided by the energy and, um, and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, even, SPHD, which is the Invesco one, um, you know, that, that's been a, a relative outperformer as well. Uh, definitely has a bit more kind of consumers and, and some youths and stuff like that in it. So definitely take a, take a look under the hood there or, or do what, uh, what Trend and I often do, which is uh, build a basket of your own. You know, um, I made that, I kind of tweaked that, that out earlier. Again, it's not about me. I don't really love talking about kind of what I do, but, um, you know, the, the basket was of, uh, Nike, Valvoline, um, Deer, and uh, what was the last one? Uh, oh, TJ Maxx. And, you know, built like a 4% position in that going into the close. You know, most of those were at the low end of the risk range. And, uh, and again, it's just kind of paying attention to what uh, analysts are saying on, on the call or, or your own due diligence in-house. In and, and there's definitely times and places to – Try to take advantage of that and, and, you know, get longer for your, whether it's for your clients or your own portfolio. Um, you know, there, there's definitely places, you know, again, there's nowhere to really go on a, in terms of general sector ETFs and stuff like that. But, you know, there are still some underlying companies that are certainly worthwhile um, and, and, or at least worth a, a look at the trends point. Right. And, and if we get another big leg down, that's uh, that, that's the place where, you know, just make sure you kind of know, your top five, right? Or your top 10 that you're like, okay, in three years time, I really want to be long X, Y, Z. And, uh, you know, just make sure you know where your spot is, where you you want to get, uh, get along that asset. Um, all right, Arthur, you jumped on and then, um, you know, why don't we open it up to any questions or any other thoughts from the, Oh, and, and Palmer, you jumped on too. Were you, did you want to talk, um, mortgage rates or anything like that or what you're seeing? Sorry, Arthur, just give me 30 seconds, man. 
Well, I just I was going to call out something I saw today, and I didn't realize this had happened. But uh, Logan Matashami, he's a pretty good follow. He, he's um, I don't remember if he's a can't remember what he does for a living. I don't know if he's a bank, a mortgage economist, or what he is. But he tweeted out a chart there today uh, that showed the interest rates, you know, over I mean, last thirty years. I didn't realize the the Fed had sold a bunch of MBS between seventy five and 1975 and 81 and if you look at the chart it's stunning the increase in mortgage rates so you know there, there's a real negative effect to, to mortgage rates that that we're seeing with them removing mbs off their balance sheet um you know at least with regards on the ground of course you know hell there's so many different housing markets in this um country i mean we're still you know how we had an offer today on a house i mean it was and we're still seeing a you know, normal offering right now. So people are still buying. I just don't know, you know, like uh, uh, other side was talking about that. We get into job layoffs and that type of stuff. I don't know what's going to happen then. Um, but right now, I mean, supply is still pretty tight. Um, it seems hard to believe, but it is. So, Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, appreciate that, Palmer. Arthur, welcome. Mm. Hey, welcome. Yeah. So, uh, I, you guys have really covered what uh, I wanted to comment on relative <laughs> to, uh, but I wanted to make one other statement or Please. comment. I, I, I listen really close, as I know all of us do, to Keith on the macro show. And I think it was, might have been today, maybe yesterday. He, he says, the most important things he says are those little things mm-hmm. almost on the side. You know what I mean? He says, HYG, it's the easiest trade I've had all year kind of thing. I'm paraphrasing. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That so, was yesterday morning, yeah. Okay, yesterday morning. So, I mean, I've been watching that thing like a hawk. And I'll tell you what, it's been the easiest trade for me. And and back to kind of what other was saying, um, you know, you, you can get in the weeds and, and do it does I? That's not me. We got to be who you are, right? Yeah. And every uh, I've been buying puts in HYG <laughs> forever. I bought more today. Yeah. Now yeah. they're out. They're out in December and January. You know, but I'm up. You know, two hundred and fifty percent. And I'm just you know every time she gets green. And if you guys noticed when we had that big up day this week. HYG or Junk didn't participate much at all. I mean, they're like just, they're like dead. I mean, I don't know if you guys see that, and I know that's not technical risk, you know, management <laughs> kind of stuff. No, but no. I mean, I'm I, just watching them. I'm going, yeah, these things are it, pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, anyway, t- I'm going to end with this last Even last week when it ticked like 75, it was like some of those puts like didn't really oh. budge much. They were like, you had no action on them. So anyway, I, I I got a little longer China today, and I and I shorted a little more HYG, and that's all I did. So thanks, nice. you guys. Yeah. Absolutely, no. Thanks for jumping on, and I know Gavin. I think that's been one of his. Uh, I think Gavin. I don't want to speak for you, but I believe you know. I, I, we speak a lot, so I want to say, you know, dollar and and short the the, the high yield or the J and K, however you want to go about it. That's uh, been two year, I guess full cycle investing this uh, year to date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Arthur, I love how simple you're keeping it, man. It's, yeah. it's awesome. I, I would just say 
you know, going back, um, cause we've been short for a while. And, um, I mean, when it, when, it, when it is that simple, you know, and it was cruising along, you know, back when it, we had that, I don't know what it was due to maybe trend probably knows, you know, if it was short covering or, or whatever, but back in late May, when we had that amazing opportunity to short it really big again, um, but those were some pretty wild days, you know, so yeah, I yeah. guess <laughs> yeah, at were. this point, at this point, we can, you know, all kind of expect, well, hey, that something like that could happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, so, yeah, but no, I agree. It's been it's uh, been pretty persistent to the downside. So uh, I actually yeah, no, have I'll to get to going point, here, right? guys. Yeah, have a good night, Kevin. All right. Um, and I'll throw it to your point. Um, you know, when that kind of rally happens, I also jump in just, you know, without actually going into the details to um, buy some uh, puts on JNK. And they were multi-baggers. They ended up being like seven, eight bagger by the next week. It was beyond my imagination. I mean, yeah, I expected them to, yeah, I expected them to go through just like three or four X and get out. But before I could get out of them, it just collapsed down to ninety one, ninety, and then I was like, "Okay, I'm getting out of here." Yeah, but that's and that's uh, and Gavin, thank you as always. I know he's left, but thank you for uh, always contributing uh, to to these uh, sessions. But but Arthur, that's it's a good example though on the HYG where the the day to day trade right on the top end of the risk range mm-hmm. is significantly lower than the top end of the trend from ETF Pro, right? So you know. Yeah. Again, without giving the specific numbers, you're at you know seventy eight ish on the on the trend you know top in the risk range, and you're mm-hmm. at you know seventy six and a half on the right. on the uh, on the right trade now. today, right? Today. So again, yep. it's just yeah, exactly. So I mean, again, so I, again, I say that just because you know we've been sitting on our hands a little bit, right, in terms of yeah. being patient and trying to understand where to go, and sometimes you got to just not necessarily have to, but like you know you have that urge to put on a trade and. Um, and again, I'm Arthur, I think you absolutely did the right thing, right? In terms of what you saw today, but, uh, you know, my only comment is, you know, that 74 handle on the HYG can quickly become 78, um, just from a pure math standpoint, right? So it's just going to the top end of the range and, and nothing would really change, right? In terms of, uh, you know, the difference in, in, in the downward or the, the negative kind of, uh, you know, uh, tr- trend, right? The, the, the negative trend that, that it is over the course of a, a longer term basis. So again, I just, that's all I'll, I'll echo because it's a perfect example of what I was trying to say earlier on that IWM or XLY, that kind of thing, right? So just kind of being cognizant of, and luckily HYG we get every day. So you can kind of make that cross reference between, you know, what it looks like on the ETF Pro um, versus the uh, the daily range. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'll just end with one word. Yeah, Blotto. <laughs> yeah man i hear you buddy i hear you i hear you uh, good stuff yeah um brian. brian do you have a commentary or a question yeah i've got a question uh, for yeah. trend actually um <clears throat> he's more uh, technical and i think could give me some color on this so getting back kind of to the hedge eye process and staying kind of on within that that conference confines so quad four deflation um when you look through the the best asset classes best equity uh, best equity style, best fixed income. Um, you know, me and, and some guys that work with me, we went back through all the old. Um, um, I don't know if someone's uh, using the bathroom or something here. Yeah, um, I, uh, uh, we we kind of went back through the, the prior quad fours and just 
looked at like TLT and how it performed. And we looked at, um, you know, certain equities like Johnson and Johnson or Procter and Gamble. And, and it just sort of seemed like everything didn't work before these specific asset classes started to work. And I didn't know if you had any sort of insight or study that you have done that might shed some light on, you know, like why a TLT is supposed to work in quad four, but it's not working right now, but it could be working in three months. Yes. So there, there are two aspects, right? We are still undergoing a repricing of risk and when a repricing of risk happens we do tend to see all these uh, exaggerations so for instance there's an exaggeration of uh, from from the standpoint of when is that big uh, fed put going to come right the moment that fed put is decided and we are still in quad four at that point of time uh, that's when you start seeing some of these things um giving you some outperformance. So, uh, so for instance, healthcare relative to uh, SPY or meaning XLV relative to SPY or some of the other names that you mentioned, XLP relative to SPY. And it's a relative trade, keep that in mind, right? So relative asset uh, allocation, uh, you'd want to be overweight some of those names as compared to others. But that happens only when the repricing of risk is complete. Right now, we are going through what is called as a dislocation. And there are specific trend traders, right? They would keep on seeking dislocation as compared to um, as compared to being a convergent trader and trying to converge it back, saying that oh, I'm going to buy the dip. No large um, trend traders are, uh, you know, dislocation resolving their dislocation seeking. And at this moment, uh, Fed is also not seeking to resolve the dislocation, and that's that's where you're facing this kind of situation where stuff is not going to work until you hear from the largest money flow that, hey, we're going to step in or we're going to stop this. Um, so from my prior studies, what I found is, um, I'll give you a simple example, right? Uh, and you brought up a good good point because I was, uh, I was going through my previous study on this, um, which I had done. Number one, even back in 2008, when I was looking at all the details, I found that until the point um, the Fed did not come back till March 2009, uh, stay, stating, especially March 6, 2009, that was the date, uh, that the Fed put us in, the market kept going down, right? Nothing was working. Even your J&J, XLP, nothing, nothing was working. None of those components were working. Uh, even though we were in severe quad four at that point of time, right? Really deep quad four, Um same with back in 2001, 2002. So all those studies just gave me one idea that the place where those quad four um, asset allocations, which you described, right, from that sheet work are after you've been told that the Fed put is in or after there's some sort of indication that we're close to the Fed put being in. But right now there's no Fed put. So there's a massive repricing of risk and all the dislocation seeking actors are going in that direction that the dislocation will keep widening until the time the Fed will reverse. And uh, and Keith also talks about it, right? So Keith sometimes talks about saying that they're doing the wrong thing right now and they'll be forced to uh they'll be forced to reverse 
uh, they stand, so they'll be forced to go dovish. So this nine or ten rate hikes, which we're seeing by the end of the year, uh, it's it's not gonna happen after maybe a few, after maybe six, they'll just stop. So um, does that help? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, um, from my perspective, this is my first quad four um, that I have actively tried to risk manage, and it's my uh, I only started with Hedgeye um, right after Thanksgiving. So I have not been, I'm still learning this process. Um, and so it's, it's hard for me to kind of understand why XLU is bearish trend. Right. And, and then why every single thing on my screen is bearish. trend. <laughs> like all of a sudden, right. You know, the, everything that you've been kind of conditioned to think should work and should be safe. It's just like nothing is. And, and I, I, I took those notes from the, the, the Mike Taylor, you know, the bottom, and I keep staring at number four, July, August, massive key tier earnings revisions down. And I look at the bottom right of my, you know, my screen and it says June 22nd. I'm like, oh, well, that's not July, August. So I just feel like it kind of um, helps to um, validate that we're in this, in this process. And um, yeah, you know, Brian, I mean, just to simplify patient. I mean, this is kind of almost simplified from an equity standpoint, certainly on the U.S. equity side. Uh, I mean, if you go back to April 22nd, that's the, so two months ago, you know, VIX basically closed north of 24 and it's been there north of 24 ever since. Right. So for the last two weeks or sorry, two months, excuse me, volatility has been elevated, uh, not only, in, you know, not only within the chop bucket, but on the top end of the chop bucket. Um, so, you know, that to me is a, is a key component as to why things like XLU, um, XLRE, you know, traditional kind of, uh, us equity exposures that, you know, typically work, um, aren't working. And then conversely with the move where you were talking about kind of TLT and stuff like that, um, you know, that's been basically north of a hundred, um, all going all the way back to, um, you know, March 22nd. So that's almost three months now. Right. So uh, again, sorry, it's dipped down to like 97 or whatever, but call, you know, call it north of 95 for almost three months. Right. Uh, Brian. So, you know, that's, uh, that's not good. The volatility regimes are not good. Um, and that's where, you know, money typically seeks lower volatility regimes, right? So it's attracted to that. So that's where oil OVX has worked, you know, GVZ until kind of recently, you know, had been in that kind of general range, right? Kind of north, of, you know, sort of sub 20, you know, these are, these are, those are, you know, those are volatility OVX is a good example too, right? Where it's been, you know, sub 55 for almost, um, you know, for over two months or sub, certainly sub 56 for, for, you know, almost two months and that kind of thing. So that's where, you know, if you just think about where does capital flow, it flows to areas where lower volatility exists, uh, especially when volatility is high in other, you know, traditional asset classes. Um, but, you know, it's a good call out on the GNG. I mean, it's one of the reasons why XLV is uh, looking more attractive. So again, that, you know, that, that would tell me, okay, maybe keep an eye on pink. Um, you know, the, the 10 day price momentum, um, I'd be watching that across all the things that kind of caught, you know, a one week uh, momentum. So that'd be XLV, XLRE, XLP, XLU. And, you know, some of those underlying components like, uh, like Coca-Cola, for instance, or even Pepsi, but Coke in particular, you know, that looks 
pretty interesting um, inside of XLP. Monster Energy is a great example of something that's been bullish, bullish, uh, you know, it's currently, I believe, bullish trade trend. Um, you know, it's been a great place to park your money. I have not owned Monster Energy, but I am uh, kicking myself that I haven't. Uh, but that play, that's been a great, great example of something where you could be long it um, and uh, it could be paying you, you know, you know, Again, I don't know if it actually pays dividends, but it could be paying you, you know, dividends in terms of a relative outperformance. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll open up to, to any other questions um, that we might have, and then you know, maybe we'll just kind of, if we don't have many, we'll uh, sort of shut I, down. I wanted to add, Rob, uh, to yeah, trying to go ahead. previous point. So um, to build upon that, right, uh, Brian, what, what that study also indicated to me, you know, when I was, I actually opened up back my spreadsheet again. And what I found was that if you look at purely relative trade, right? So for instance, um, let's say you were long XLV and short SPY. Even year to date, you got a 8% alpha or almost 8% alpha. So I think that asset allocation chart that you see in general, it's, uh, it's more in a relative fashion, right? That's why it talks about overweight and underweight because it's kind of giving uh, PMs who are trying to do long short uh, some sense that, okay, where can you try to search your longs versus when where can you try to search your shorts? Um, so for instance, if a PM is trying to make a 120% uh, long short book, uh, they would they would be constructing it in that fashion, especially for quad four where, uh, they would go for and keep in mind right now the market is uh, trading with the signal which front runs the actual quad um, with a quad four because I know that many people have raised this question that hey we are actually in quad three uh, but the signal is purely for quad four because the entire uh, ecosystem right now is pretty clear that 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 we are about to head in a slowdown. Uh, I heard earlier Metro saying about uh, the layoffs, et cetera, or we are going to face some kind of a slowdown eventually. But if that is the forward-looking part of the market, um, until the market sniffs out that, hey, it's going to change because of whatever reason, right? Fed decides to go dovish, uh, something else happens, we start seeing PMI numbers below 50, uh, both in US and abroad, then that's the point where you might start seeing a switch. But to uh, give you the exact relative positioning, even if you look at XLV relative to SPY today, it's uh, giving you a positive eight percent alpha. Back to you, Rob. Yeah, I just wanted. To, did that make sense, Brian? I know Trent kind of covered a lot of detail in that. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. I mean, it, it it does. I mean, and and I think when you go back and you look at prior Claude fours, it kind of helps you, you know, kind of create the visual. Um, but I was actually just pulling up uh, the last email I got on Macro Pro ETFs, and he, it, this one we were has six, and I think he cut two today, so. I'd imagine if I get an update tomorrow, there's only going to be four macro <laughs> ETF positions. So, I mean, I'm not trying to like be a Debbie Downer, but I mean, like Jesus, it's just getting to be pretty easy to uh, you know to own things when there's only four things on the page. So. Well, that's it. No, I mean completely, man. And that's it's kind of goes back to what 
again, we can kind of reset the room a little bit, right? And maybe take some one-off sort of trades or, or components as to like, you know, what something maybe has jumped off the, something where you were potentially interested in doing, but didn't, but didn't pull the trigger or, or did pull the trigger and it went sideways on you. Um, I think for, you know, again, I'm not really calling Keith out. It's just, I think many of us got long PXE and then obviously, you know, energy just absolutely tanked. Right. So, um, you know, if you didn't have a quick stop loss in there or, or manage that tightly, then, you know, you, you were down, um, you, you're down quickly. Right. So anyway, long story short, it, what my point is, is that, um, it's gotta be personal, right, Brian? Like it's personal as to like, yeah, you know, he's not long a whole lot. He's telling you that cash is king. Uh, you know, is that where you want to be? Like that's up to you. It's almost like up to you to decide, right, man? It's like um, you'd actually be you. You know, Brian has a mind blowing asset allocation right now. He shared with me his numbers. It was like eighty percent cash. It is. <laughs> I don't trust anybody oh right God. now. Yeah, no, it, and the yeah, I mean, perform ninety nine percent asset managers. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? So, Brian, that's the thing. It's like you know, one of the one of the things too to consider. Again, it, it's all it's always it's different for everybody because there's folks on here that, that are listening in that are everything from an investor to for for their own personal capital to managing money for others to you know managing funds or or what have you, right? So, the, I mean, the, it, it's a quite a broad scope. So, if you're you know. It, if you can just sit in cash, right, then, uh, you know, and, and you're looking for those kind of outsized returns or, or kind of that, you know, capital flow to go compound, right, um, when the time is right, then almost like just have patience, right? Like have some of those longer full cycle kind of short ideas, right? So whether it's Russell or NASDAQ or high yield growth or junk, whatever it might be, right, that, that's that's been working, that appears to, that's going to keep working, then, um, you know, have those on right in a smaller portion of the portfolio and then sort of sit on that cash and, and just be ready to execute when, you know, it seems like we're going to be coming out the other side, which again, I mean, but you just have to be comfortable with the fact that that could be three quarters from now, you know, um, and you might miss. And again, it's not that you might miss the bottom. Like oh, we're going to miss the bottom, but it's just, you know, you just have to be comfortable with that and understand sort of that's going to be my, you know, quote unquote new investing strategy. But that doesn't mean that everybody has to do it that way or that they can because some folks have to be long right they have to um have exposure to the market and what i you know there are signals out there that are getting slightly better or at least that are tweaking a little bit if you're kind of looking in the right spots no and i yeah i, I appreciate that i think one yeah. of the things from my process that i've done and um and i i did share with dread the the current allocations um is is to build um, with individual bonds, enough passive income that, you know, I am comfortable that there is some incoming alpha. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then as a, as a, um, a alternative to UPP, um, because uh, you know, just because of some volatility and the idea that, you know, that it's up so much this year, um, I did buy some three month CDs just cause they were with the fed increase, you know, they're at 2%. So small position, but, um, you know, normally I just kind of diversified my, my UPP, um, thesis for myself, sure. but, but sure. I am, I, I am sitting on cash, but I do own two equity positions, just in full disclosure. Um, um, one is Disney just as a family favorite, but the other one is Playboy. I'm still along my Playboy and I, and I will not sell <laughs> my Playboy. Yeah, so, uh, so with that, Hey, thanks guys. Um, yeah, I, I got to jump off here, but no, have totally. a good, have a good.
I have to say it, bro. The, both Disney and Playboy don't don't, don't look great, uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Let's um, all right. So let's maybe reset the room trend. Do you want to go through, you know, something that maybe you saw or kind of? I don't want us to do this. Um, sure. So on like just the, sort of something that's sort of in, like maybe just interesting, right? Or like that yes, the, yes, the yes. setup is moving in the right direction. It's not a buy now moment, right? But it's more like if this continues to kind of move in the right way, then you know this is something that's going to move up my list, right? I think that yes, that yes. that's kind of, if that's what, can, can, does that make sense in terms of what yeah, I'm trying to say? So like kind of like what's moving up the list, right? In terms yes. of we're, we've been very clear that pretty much everything sucks. Uh, so what's moving up the list? <laughs> so Pinduoduo is moving up the list on the China front, um, and if someone doesn't want, uh, I mean, if people don't like. Uh, uh, eccentric risk, idiosyncratic risk uh, associated with just one company, then I think I shared the other one, which was ASHS um, and uh, uh, KWeb. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'll be pulling the trigger as soon as the weekly momentum gets slightly uh, better. Uh, but definitely on the daily momentum, it's on my, uh, it's getting better. Um very hard stop at around uh, for KWeb at uh, 29.56 um, and for Pinduoduo hard stop at about it's much deeper for Pinduoduo it's at around 51.21 that's almost like 16% below from here so um, but Pinduoduo definitely uh, on my list and KWeb those are two which are moving up the list um, I've taken a very short-term ISRG long as well. Um, but that's just for purely short-term momentum. Nothing to do with the uh, full trade trend tail because it's not uh, giving the right signal for uh, for the tail. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, China's definitely moving up the list. I'd say... Some of these dividend ones are like, again, like the J&J, I actually just pulled it up. So this one's kind of new. I'm going to put this one in my notebook. So just full disclosure, you're getting this real time, boys and girls. Uh, J&J is going down and, mm. and I'm circling and I'm circling it. Um, it had a good mood today. I got to check on the volume and stuff like that. But that one, um, you know, I, I had highlighted the XLV and obviously, you know, Johnson 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 and Johnson is a big component inside of the XLV. Um, so yeah, so J and J would be one. Coke was another. I just pulled up too. It's kind of like a TV player. Again, I'm not long this one either, but um, it's kind of being kind of recapture some trend here. Again, obviously, you know, inflation margins that can be an issue. Um, but I'm I'm kind of leaning a bit more towards some of these underlying components. And again, I think trend. If you can't tell, you know, given the fact that I was building a basket of. Um, stuff that was at the, you know, almost pushing, you know, one month lows and three month lows like Nike and uh, stuff like that. But, but Valvoline is obviously very interesting too. Um, but I, I'm getting more interested in some of these underlying pieces versus the ETFs themselves um, and, and sort of trying to pick out some, some underlying winners or ones that are certainly at least gaining a bit more momentum and leaving some of the uh, sector ETFs alone for right now. Yeah, yeah, Palmer, go ahead. Yeah, it, it, I, one of the things I was kind of messing around in the 
stuck at home today with a sick kid, so I didn't have much ability to get any work done for work, so I was on my phone all day listening to stuff, and I got kind of fell into a uranium warp hole, and I don't know, I think a lot about energy, you know, it's definitely a secular trend right now, and and I, one of the things I'd come across to, I didn't know this, but I guess there's 43, 42 uh, nuclear plants that will open globally in the next year, and then there's a hundred and some odd plants in the pipeline to be built and or approved. And um, so I started kind of looking at URA today, and I, I own URA. I've, I've hung on to it since you know Keith had it on RTA there, and it kind of shit the bed. Um, I went ahead and stuck with it and have been actively trading it. Um, I didn't know about NLR because it's kind of an interesting mix of uh, some of the stronger uranium miners and then um, some of the nuclear energy uh, producers. And oh, that one looks uh, okay. So it's Linamar? Yeah. N- NLR. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah that one looks all right. URA, and, URA yeah, looks URA like good. Like URA does not look good. Uh, yeah, LNR yeah. does look pretty good. Uh, or, you know, signals definitely better on LNR. Um, the one also is moving up the list trend. Have you noticed um, some gold miners have started to kind of act a little bit better? Um, so, like, which ones specifically? Uh, well, you know, some of the big, like the big boys, like, you know, again, they're all. Nova Gold? The, yeah, like Nova Gold, Franco Nevada. Um, even Barrick, right? Like uh, gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think GDX in general, in terms of like, if I gotta, if you gotta put my feet to a fire to own an, you know, a sector ETF, that'd probably be on the short list in terms of kind of phase transition, longer full cycle investing opportunity here. But uh, but again, it's it's bearish trading trend, so it's like why mess with it until it yeah improves. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I wouldn't go close to NG or gold or JNUG. I was kind of surprised that. That Keith has kept GDX on, you know, for so long. I, I, it just seemed unlike him. I, I get the whole, you know, I know the whole background on Playboy, but I've been a little bit shocked he's hung on to that. I, I'm actually, uh, I own a pretty good chunk of GDXD. I bought it, I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday, and it, it was up. That's a three X inverse on gold miners. So I think here's the deal on GDX. Usually, what happens is um, where dollar is at at the moment. Um, there's a tendency, at least in the past, for dollar to kind of mean revert. When that happens, it would put an upward pressure on the gold and silver ones. So I think you might well a huge a huge, huge input co- a huge input cost for all these miners is is oil though, right? So yeah, and, and diesel, et cetera, et cetera. So I mean, in, the, that staying and and remaining high has been a huge drag um, across the board. So you know, again, you 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 are correct as well, Trent. Sorry, I. I no, no, I was saying that basically he's just keeping yeah. it for mean reversion, and then when the mean yeah. reversion happens, you know, he can probably reduces uh, reduces loss, or you know, yeah. maybe even exit it at some minor gain or something. So that way, you know, yeah, track yeah. record wise, it shows a decent track record. But you do have a drawdown. Yeah, yeah, and then, and and again, I think you know, if you kind of from. A, yeah, I don't know what the correlation is with oil, but I would suspect it's pretty high. And so, if you've got oil, uh, you know, losing signal strength, then you know it's possible that margins are going to start to improve uh, within some of these gold miners, and and that could be benefit from uh, from that perspective as well. Um, that, was actually, that was actually one of the things that I saw on Twitter. Some, one of the oh. uranium feeds was, you know, made a comment that you know you'd think with oil. 
pulling the other direction that uranium might not be, you know, it was just basically following suit because it was energy, but that doesn't make any sense because if oil gets cheaper, your input costs get cheaper to mine. So, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Pokey, welcome. Hey guys, great to be here. Great conversation yeah. as always. Hey Robert, I had a question for you. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing similar things, right? I'm seeing some some green shoots within individual stocks. Um, when you're looking at this, when you're talking about this, is your time horizon kind of like the next, I'd say, you know, like eight or nine days knowing that we have inflows and then probably yeah. what's going to be a, a pretty good markup in a quarter end? Yeah, I'd say kind of to the trend, trend commented like July 4th, I think. Yeah, uh, definitely. I got like, I got end of month basically. And we can transition that to a bit more of kind of setup going into quarter end, month end. Uh, but I would agree, Poke, uh, that that's, that's definitely yeah if, if i get long as a signal you know if i i'm still waiting on a little bit of confirmation but to to, to get you know the vvix definitely trended in, in the right direction sub uh, uh what was it sorry sub 100 or i think closed around 99 and 98 and so that was sort of one signal but there's got to be a, a number of others that really got to tick um and one of the big ones is obviously volume uh so volume was kind of there today and depending on what you looked at but um you know not really you know, yeah, not not enough to really get me get me going um, to really get you know big conviction. Hence why I'm, I, I sort of went and tried to pick out some underlying assets, poke. But uh, yes, definitely a bit more shorter term trade, and then you know with the anticipation um, that those Q2 earnings are going to be uh, quite vicious. But but again, I say that, and that's where I think paying attention to you know the call or sort of you know where those again, just to use the hedge eye vernacular, like where the pot acceleration could come from, you know, um, you know, for instance, I'll just, again, I'm not trying to pitch my book cause it's not, but you know, I, I did choose my four inside of my basket for more than just sort of low into the risk range. Right. It's like, okay, Valvoline, it's got this spin out optionality. Right. And it's kind of given all of that back in terms of the, the pop from that announcement, you know, it, it, it does thrive from, or it definitely does better when, you know, folks, are either, you know, managing their own kind of issues on the car and that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, there's there's definitely components there, right, where their earnings might not be quite as bad as, as something else, right? Because getting to work is, again, I mean, I'm kind of getting into narratives here, but my, my point is that, you know, you're listening in to some of these conversations on the call, and, 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 and again, I don't have, you know, uh, um, pro subs to, to all the analysts, stuff like that, but the, the call is my key key one where I can get a lot of this sort of knowledge and information from, and that's where you can kind of piece things together. Again, you know, I got a lot of shit on Twitter for, for getting along Nike, you know, valuations, you know, still through the roof, blah, blah, blah. Consumer sucks. Well, yeah, but you know, they're also Nike, right? And so it's like, okay, is their earnings going to be as bad? Maybe, probably, but you know, um, I'm, 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 you know, I'm thinking also from a rebalance and like trade perspective, is it, pretty easy or certainly easier conversation telling your client that you're long Nike and you're not long Lulu, right? Or you're, you're not long T-Doc, you're long Nike, probably, right? So, you know, I, I don't, I, I like that. Again, it's, it's a bit narrative, but it's a bit also the signal. Yeah, no, I, I totally, and I, I agree with you. My, my, my mom, who's almost 70, she calls those stock oldies, but goodies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, it's, because no, you know, you, it's like the old school, like, you know, if you hired IBM as a consultant, you never get fired. Um, right, exactly. It's like if you own no, Johnson, 
and I th- and I bet and I get it, not bet, but like you know, the signal is improving in Johnson Johnson. It's improving Coca Cola. It's improving on Pepsi, right? It's it's improving on you know some healthcare names. It's improving on some some staples, right? So it's like okay, yeah. I mean, it's exactly right, right? It's like okay, like when stuff goes bad, you know, to Brian, you know, to if Muni Bonds was still on here, he, you know, it's like okay, those are the things that traditionally work. So if you know the S and P is down twenty percent, it's like okay, well yeah, but we have we're, we've got a recent exposure to these core assets and they typically work, you know, when things, you know, in a recession. Yeah, totally. And to Nike, um, crime dog, maybe like six or eight months ago was talking about how, how they were essentially being threatened in China by, I, I can't remember the name of the, the Chinese uh, um, yeah. company right now, but he said like, they're not going to lose in China. So I think you, there's some validity there with, with the pot acceleration. If, if China's going to start picking up, it makes sense that Nike would have, would have a little bit of, um, you know, pick up a little tail off that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. That's one that um, Felix Wang likes too. It's um, I'm drawing a blank on the name right now, but yes, I'm, I, I remember. And that's, that's it. Yeah, that's definitely Pindo Do is wrapping up your list. They trend. Uh, I think some of the, the consumer yeah. names I, I got to get a better handle on inside of China because I think that's going to be a really good place to be. Yeah, I just opened yeah. up a, a small position in Young China. I think. Um, I think yeah, see Yeah, it's yeah, a great one. If, yeah. if you're getting out of lockdown, what do you want, man? You want pizza and wings? <laughs> hey, that's right, what, baby. What was that? What was that ticker again? Is it YMC on Young China? Like, y U M C. So yeah, yeah, yellow uranium, Mary, Charlie. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's been a good one. I've been in and out of that. I don't really hold China positions for very long. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, if I get, if I get eight, if I get 8% or five, 4% and yum, and yum, see, if I get three to 4%, I'm out like Flynn and, uh, I'll revisit lower. <laughs> so especially in the phase transition, man, it's, uh, it's tricky because you can be up 8% one day and down six the next. So it's, uh, you know, China's no China's, as I mentioned earlier, has some pretty serious volatility inside of it, even in staples, like a yum, see, I mean, this thing is, I mean, that's kind of as clean as it gets, but it's still, it still moves uh, pretty significantly. Not quite as bad as K-Web, but yeah. Uh, anything else, uh, Poke? You, you kind of brought some good insights there. I, I wish I had something. <laughs> um, I know we covered a lot tonight, so yeah. No, I I was I was watching this morning. Um, you know, it was uh, the relative bounce in Facebook. I thought it was really interesting how many shares traded so quickly in the morning, um, and then you know it, it obviously faded with with the rest of the sector. Um, but I think I think you're starting to see some. I think the next ten days, like I I agree with what what other side was saying before and what Gavin was saying. You know, today was a pretty quiet day. I put on I put on one trade. I put some put spreads on on Meta. Um, but it's, it sounds weird to say that, but, um, <laughs> but the, uh, no, I, I really, I'm just kind of waiting. Right. I, I shorted some as, um, I think it was, I don't know if it was Andrew who was saying before, but I, I shorted some junk and some high yield yesterday. Um, but I think it's just kind of, it, we're just in this holding pattern because you know, like this bounce is going to come. Right. And you, you just, the market, like you were saying with volume, the volumes, volumes a tease right now, right. It's teetering right on that line where it wants to at least my screen say it's teetering right in that line where it wants to give you kind of that green signal where there's going to be real force behind this move. Um, so I'm, I've, I'm probably in my, in my trading account, I'm probably 75% cash right now, six, uh, between 70 and 75% cash. And, and in my, my long-term um, um, non-taxable accounts, I'm, you know, I'm probably like 40% cash. I'm a little, I didn't sell as much as I should have full disclosure. 
but yeah, I'm just kind of I'm writing some stuff out, and uh, whoever whoever said before, I own a little Playboy too. I didn't sell it either, just, <laughs> just for that, just so I could look at the screen every day and say, "You're an idiot for doing down 60." <laughs> but now you got to offset it with some like Playboy calls or something like that, right? Like longer dated. I was looking at, yeah. but uh, good stuff, yeah. man. I wanted to add here, Rob. So actually, yeah. I was looking at my models for JNK. Uh, I mean, from a setup perspective, I would like not, junk. Yeah, I would not yeah. short it before 95, 95, 33 to 96, 31. Those would be the two levels where I would basically consider as a good setup with relative good risk reward in your favor to go short on. Um, right here, JNK may not be the best spot to go short on. Now, obviously, things could always go from oversold to crash, but um, from a pure a priori probability perspective, right, beforehand, not exposed, not after the fact, but beforehand, uh, forward-looking perspective, I would, I would much prefer shorting junk here. I would prefer shorting junk at 95 to 96.31. Yeah, Trend, I totally agree. I got a, I got a little antsy yesterday when it was, when it, as it was coming back in towards the end of the day. Um, I, I thought maybe just in case like everyone's wrong and we just see this, you know, we just see this swoosh down after such a big open on Monday, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday. Um, I just, I put on a couple like, a real small position in there. Um, and it's, they're at the money put stated out till September. Um, so if I'm wrong for, you know, for the next two weeks, I'm okay. Right. Right. Of course. Understood. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree that 95 level looks, uh, that's where I get interested too. Yeah, for sure. At least currently, as of January twenty second, that might shift in <laughs> next week. Next week, but uh, I just was flipping through my notebook. You probably heard that, but sorry. So I should. I didn't realize I wasn't on mute. I was trying to find and see if we got um, any details on from the last uh, RTA live. But he uh, he gave our HYG. He was talking HYG rather than junk. So I just didn't know if he gave us the tr- trade line. But um, yeah, that uh, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. And on the same yeah. ground, I mean, trend. I'd, I'd, I'd rather it at like one hundred and one. You know, trend. Like if I <laughs> agreed, <laughs> let's get at one hundred and one, baby, and then it'll go all the way down to seventy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, trend. No, I was gonna just add that even on the SAS shorts, right? I would not be building shorts here on the SAS names. Uh, they, they very well may go down well below these levels, but from purely again risk reward perspective, right? I would want to sit out on these couple of weeks to uh, hopefully see them go up, yeah, and then you know that would be a better place for a setup to uh, build shorts uh, either through put spread or direct directly puts on. Um, some of the SaaS names, uh, because there's still SaaS names which are out there with EV to sales above ten. You know, Snowflake is one. Uh, granted, it's like the granddaddy and king, and they have been delivering growth. And you know, their CEO is pretty uh, well disciplined. He's going to become FCF positive and whatnot. But still, come on, you know, there's a, there's been a complete repricing of risk, and these guys are still trading at fifteen times sales. So. Uh, it will definitely be repriced way lower, um, at least like 30, 40% lower from here. Uh, would it happen right now? No, I would wait for it to. Uh, I just pulled up that chart, that trend. Holy shnikes, that thing's gone from 400 to 130. Yeah, yeah. 
So from their pers- <laughs> from, <laughs> so from pure <laughs> signal perspective, right? I would wait for it to get into that zone of 140, 145, that level, and then uh, that's where I would pull the trigger on my uh, on my especially the snowflake short. Uh, Snowflake is a good yeah, company. 140, that would be a one month hot. I mean, that that that's tricky, man. That gets into the momentum trade. I know, I know. That, and that that's thing where... looks like it's. A, I mean, that thing looks like it's about to break out. To be honest. Uh, yeah. So you know? if that happens, right? So that's what I'm saying. That I mean, uh, the risk reward the, there becomes extremely I mean, new. Yeah, like once, like one set again. I mean, I I I got trend closer to like 178 ish, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, man, that would be again. No, I mean, but it's a perfect example, right? Where like if this thing takes off. Like yeah. let it breathe and then get greedy, right? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. right. Like that's that's the that's that's your point, right? It's yeah. Like, that that was a like point like like pa- yeah, patience yeah. and then yeah. pounce. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, not, I, should not a, I should I should put yeah. that on a t-shirt trend: patience yeah. <laughs> then pounce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> although yeah. although that could probably be taken a little, you know, a little bit misconstrued, yeah. uh, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that that actually applies to a few other names too. So there's there's another one called VRSN, which is very sign. Um, this one actually doesn't grow as fast as Snowflake, but it still trades at like a bizarre multiple for no apparent reason. So this one, I'd wait for it to come all the way back to 175. Uh, and I know it again goes into that momentum part that you mentioned, but uh, it actually, you know, my. Uh, stop loss on that would be 182 but i would wait for it to come anywhere between um 171 to 175 and then press shorts on it and you know this what was that tick- what's the ticker again sorry sure v v as in victor r as in yep. romeo s as got in it. sam n as in nancy vrsn got it VRSN. it's, it's uh, overall it's a decent company just like snowflake but valuation is just still uh extreme uh in in their case so you know uh, with shoes to drop that are coming through, uh, these are some of the companies which are going to be vulnerable, even though they're good and they're going to be super liquid. So you're going to get like good, good, good options, liquidity, good uh, stock liquidity, those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Good call out. I hadn't actually been, VRSM was not my radar for some reason. Yeah, yeah, they have a pretty high EV to sales just on. Uh, and compared to their growth, right? They're not growing at snowflake yeah. pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, good call out, buddy. Good job. As usual. As usual. Awesome. Well, we'll um, if there's nothing else from the crowd, we'll uh, we'll wrap up. And thanks again for for a wonderful uh, for a wonderful night and another great notebook session. Hopefully, you guys got some uh, some good value out of it. And uh, we'll see you back here next week on the 29th. Uh, it'll be an afternoon session, so 4.30 Eastern on the East Coast. And, uh, and yeah, between then and there, make, best of luck. Stay patient, then pounce. I, I like I think that's a new tagline, patience, pounce. <laughs> I like that. Absolutely. Yeah, and don't awesome miss guy. out on checking out uh, Rob's uh, interview with uh, discussion with oh. Nancy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> See, yeah. You're like my hype man. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we had a great one-on-one with Nancy Davis uh, yesterday morning. Uh, it was about an hour, probably 55 minutes or so. Uh, yeah, really, really good educational I- interview. We talked a lot about iVol, but but more specifically about just sort of the fixed income volatility space, derivatives, you know, how she applies it, you know, how she thinks about it. Um, I've, I've already, again, you know, not, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, I guess, 
brag or whatever, but I've, I've listened to it twice and I've learned stuff, different stuff, both times. Um, and it was, uh, it was a great conversation. She was very kind to give us some, um, uh, give us her time really at the end of the day. So it was, uh, it was awesome. And, and, uh, I guess with that, you know, I've also opened things up to listener supported, uh, kind of contributions. So if you're, if you're interested or, or feel like you get some value out of these calls, um, I'd, you know, humbly, uh, I'll be very humbled uh, for your support. So thank you for that as well. And uh, yeah, we'll. we'll yeah. And it's, uh, you know, um, uh, Rob, actually, I think uh, when you post this one and pin it, just post the link to that one. Yeah. I think uh, we can all definitely support uh, Rob for carrying out this amazing spaces and uh, all the insights that we gain from each other um, out of uh, this community, um, as well as, you know, think of, you know, uh, uh, overall, from a community building perspective, uh, Rob is helping us uh, organize these almost uh, <laughs> in a very disciplined fashion. Um, every other, uh, every Wednesday, we have a session, and I believe that <laughs> we have had like some superstars come over here, right? We have had mm-hmm. Eat come over here. We have come, we have had Mike Taylor come over here. We have had Nancy Davis, and quite a lot of them that have come up over here. So uh, definitely. Uh, what's supporting Rob? Well, thanks, Trent. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, no, just, uh, you know, not going to shift the subscription or anything like that. It's just sort of listener supported. So yeah, again, I uh, really appreciate it if you do have the ability to, to contribute. And um, yeah, so awesome, guys. We'll, we'll um, Thank you. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Good night. Night, Trent. Thanks, Rob. Night, Palmer. Yeah. Thanks, see Rob. You. See you rolling. <laughs>